We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash lawless. Just go to Indeed.com slash lawless right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed com slash lawless. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hello, sunshine. I'm Alexi Lalas, and welcome to the State of the Union podcast, where we look at the beautiful game on and off the field through the lens of red, white, and blue-colored glasses. Joining me, as always, my friend, my colleague, my guiding light, David Mossy, a soccer savant and a Fox soccer researcher and writer extraordinaire. Mossy, how are you doing? It's been a hell of a 24 hours here at the Women's World Cup. How are you doing, man? Doing well. I am back. Yes. I missed. We missed you yesterday. The last pod. Uh, Sean Sullivan would never admit this because he wouldn't want to hurt my feelings, but I think he got his dream combo in the last pod because he loves Jimmy Conrad. He follows him around everywhere like a schoolgirl. Well, what's not to love? I mean, Jimmy's a good man, but you have there's no Wally Pip going on here. Jimmy came in and did a wonderful job, and uh, we, we all love Jimmy, but... But he, I mean, relax. This is not a Sophie Roman hog at a Hegeberg situation, it's not which we're going to get to in a minute because exactly. there is a Wally Pip situation. No, 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 it's not Wally Pip or anything else. You, your shoes are too big for any one person, let alone three or four people to fill. So uh, welcome back. And as I said last night, you are in constant demand. And so it's understandable, a man of your talents uh, and your, uh, your understanding of the game, that at a World Cup, you're going to be pulled in multiple directions. We completely understand that. And I, I'm sure all the people that follow us and watch this show, understand that that's going to happen. All right, listen, uh, we have a bunch of games. There were some that happened yesterday that we didn't get to, and as I said, in the 24 hours that have happened. But we are coming on air right now, and we have just witnessed, I think, probably the upset of the tournament, one of the games of the tournament. People are going crazy here. Columbia 2, Germany 1. So, Mossy, let's start there. Initial thoughts uh, on this upset and this just wonderful game. Not to pat myself on the back oh, too much, but if Chris the Bear Felica can do it, then I will as well. Okay. Um, pre-tournament, I did peg Colombia as my potential Cinderella and Linda Caicedo as a potential breakout star. And to give people a peek behind the curtain, I've been tasked with putting together a list of the 10 best goals of the tournament so far. I fired off a list yesterday and I said, I'll let you know if anything today cracks the list and we have to tweak that Caicedo goal will definitely be very high on that list. Very high on the list. I mean, it's it's wonderful. Her 
Her footwork and her speed, especially for an 18-year-old, is just in incredible. And even in that moment, for her to transfer her weight from one side to the other and with just a couple of inches of space, put it in the upper 90. It was just mm, wonderful. We had Melissa Ortiz bombing up and down our set, going crazy, a proud Colombian-American, wearing the jersey and all that kind of stuff. And I, I only say that because the atmosphere in that game that's what every World Cup game needs to have. The Colombians brought it. Yes, there were Germans there, but it was predominantly Colombian. And ultimately, as I said, they were treated to one of the true classics, an instant classic, if you, uh, if you will. So Linda Caicedo scores, and everybody's looking around. I'm on set with, uh, with uh, Ari Hingst, and we're saying, oh, this is crazy, because keep in mind, this is the German team, number two team in the world, number two in my power rankings, uh, that came out on fire and kind of planted their flag. Well, if they planted their flag in the first game, they just took the flag and threw it out into the garbage in this, in this second game because they go down 1-0. They fight back, and they had plenty of the ball. It wasn't the dominant performance. And I actually was much more impressed with Colombia than I was disappointed in, uh, in Germany. But Germany fights back. They get the penalty. So now it's 1-1. You think, all right, everybody's going to go home. Germany's going to lick their wounds. Uh, Colombia's going to say, hey, we had them on the ropes, and we just couldn't finish it off. But Set pieces, set pieces, set pieces. They are a theme at this World Cup. You are seeing them continually. And in, what was it, the 94th minute, something like that, somewhere around there. Even later. Huh? Was it later? Oh, yeah. my goodness. Uh, it, was, uh, it was just Venegas uh, scores a header. All alone, by the way, wonderful snap, wonderful direction to win the game, send everybody in hysterics, and just the environment, Mossy. Because, you know, I know uh, yesterday I was talking with Jimmy Conrad about you know, the different ways people watch the Men's World Cup and the Women's World Cup. This was just a wonderful game of soccer, and this was just a celebration, for the most part, of what Colombia is. And you saw people crying. You saw people uh, cheering. You saw people in wonder at what they had just witnessed and in celebration of a country and culture that obviously is so close to them. But all of that passion, all of that emotion that often we associate with the men's game was on display here. I wish it was that way in every single game. To be quite honest, it's, it's not here at the World Cup. So to see that environment and see the way it pushed that team on and then celebrated in that moment, and they were given this gift of being there in the moment, I thought it was just a wonderful, it was a wonderful advertisement for what this World Cup is and what World Cups can be. You know, Colombia bid to host this World Cup, didn't get it. They hosted the Copa America Femenina last year, which we covered tremendous atmosphere for that tournament. So they are really a growing nation in the women's game. I agree with you. Their fans have really brought it. I'm told, by the way, our director, Erin Schechter, was at the game tonight. So she contributed to this nutty atmosphere. Uh, but yeah, hats off to the Columbia fans. And as far as the game, I agree with you. When Pop converted the penalty, I thought for sure Germany would be the team that would then push on and perhaps get a late winner. So tremendous reaction by Columbia to go back at the other end. Manuela Venegas with great header on the set piece. Yeah, and they take all three points. So, uh, you know, it was horrible marking on that, uh, on that final set piece in that final corner, but it's not Colombia's fault. They don't, they don't care, and this is, this is Germany. So, look, I think, I think a lot of uh, eyes are turned right now to Colombia, and rightfully so. Uh, you obviously are, you know, prescient, and you, you know, you're the, the savant, so you already picked this, so this is no surprise to you. But for a lot of people that are coming to this tournament or seeing Colombia for the first time, what I loved about it was, you know, there was this this beautiful um, it's, dirtiness isn't the right way, but like this Columbia team, I want them to have my back, whether it's on a soccer field or whether it's in a bar fight, I don't care. These women, they do not back down from anyone. And yes, they did dirty up the game, not in a, 
not in a horrible pejorative type of sense, but they recognized that they needed to stand up on a continual basis to fight all of those physical battles. Yes, to take some yellow cards. Yes, at times to have the dark arts and all that kind of stuff. But in totality, the way they approached this game, there was a maturity and like, and like I said, just this down and dirty type of feeling that can, in a tournament situation, really take you far. And I think that was what is impressive. But on the other side, before we, go, before we move on, uh, are you, obviously, this, is, this gives you pause from, uh, from a German perspective, but is this a situation where you're looking at Germany completely different than uh, 90 minutes ago? Yes, uh, they were so impressive against Morocco in that opener, but some of the vulnerabilities we thought they had heading into the tournament based on some of those warm-up games, I think, resurfaced. So I'm now back to thinking this is not a great German side. Oh, it's not a great German side. Uh, but let me just say on Caicedo, yeah. she scored also in the first game against South Korea. She is 18, youngest South American to score at a Women's World Cup since Marta back in 2003 when she was 17. And I'll use this to segue to the Brazil game. I was very bummed out by uh, last night's result because I thought that meant that Brazil is now, even if they advanced, definitely going to finish second in their group, which was going to mean a date with Germany in the round of 16. But lo and behold, it looks like Colombia might win this group. And so Brazil, if they advance in second in theirs, we might have a Brazil-Colombia all-South American matchup in oh the round of 16. Oh, my. All right. Well, listen, uh, we'll, we'll kiss off the uh, Colombia-Germany game. Uh, the beautiful nastiness of Colombia. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, move on to your, like we said, Brazil-France game. While, I, while tonight was one of the most entertaining games in the tournament, if not the most entertaining game, I thought that the France-Brazil game was the best World Cup game that from this tournament, and I could even argue that I have seen in a long time. Just in, in terms of the pure, uh, the technical ability, the intensity, um, the, uh, the, you know, the, uh, the balance between these two teams, this was a level of soccer that, Honestly, we had not seen a lot of in this tournament. And so I loved this game from start to finish from a neutral perspective. I know from a Brazilian perspective, you're looking at it, hey, you lost. France finally came to play, ultimately, again, by the way, on the set piece type of situation. Wendy Renard, who uh, we didn't even know was going to play, not only does she play, but she scores uh, the winning goal. France kind of... Uh, re-inject themselves back into the conversation so much so that they powered right into number five or number six. I can't remember in my power rankings. Not the worst result for Brazil. They still have everything to play for. But I just thought in it of itself, this was just a great soccer game that you can hold up in terms, like I said, of uh, you know the, um, the technical ability, the passion around it, uh, and just the intensity of the game. I agree with you, but I find it very difficult to analyze from a Brazil perspective without taking a step back and looking at the program as a whole. Um, Brazil had a period in the mid-2000s in which we were one of the two or three best uh, nations in the women's game, got to three straight major tournament finals, the 0408 Olympics, lost both to the U.S., could have won either game, lost the 07 World Cup final to Germany, could have won that one, Marta missed a penalty when it was nil-nil. And Brazil back then felt kind of like how Spain does now. A little bit different because with Spain, it's more about the collective play. With Brazil, it was more individualistic. But in the sense of seeing players do things with the ball that you'd never seen women's players do before and feeling like this is the country that's elevating the women's game and is just going to take it to a different place. But since then, Brazil has really backslid. Uh, in the last uh, 
three World Cups. They haven't won a knockout game. Their last knockout stage victory at a World Cup is that 2007 semifinal 4-0 over the United States. And I feel like at major tournaments now, each time Brazil runs into an elite team, they lose. And so last night's game was a chance to make a statement that this team is different with Pia coaching it. And I just thought they came up very small. Uh, France completely bullied them in the first half. And Brazil had a very good first 20 minutes of the second half where I thought, okay, this is going to be a tale of two halves. But then they allowed France to reassert themselves again and finish the game stronger and get the winner. So overall, I thought France deserved the three points. They were the better team for three quarters of the game. And it was disappointing from a Brazilian perspective. All right, let's take, let's take aside just this tournament. But is this fixable from a Brazilian perspective? Is this systemic? Is this something? I mean, because, look, you're talking about... Was Brazil good because Marta just showed up? I mean, I guess you could do it for any team. You could say, well, was, was Brazil good because Pele was there? But is it, is it something that, is, that was done that made them good then and that they have lost now or something that they need to do in order to keep up with the rest of the teams? It's the ultimate paradox. I feel like Brazil produced bigger stars during periods of less investment in the women's game than they do now when there's more investment. It's not just Marta. You had Cristiani, you had Formiga, you had... Kacha, Sisi, Prechinha. Brazil used to have the best players in the world. And for right now, outside of Debinha, who scored in this game, who I think is up there, I don't know, top 15, 20 best players in the world, but there's nobody else that. So I, I don't It's a collection of good players that's uh, well coached by Pia and more organized than Brazil has been in the past, but I just don't see that elite talent to go toe to toe with uh, the, the top, top teams in the world. And, and then from a France perspective, boy, two of their veterans, Les Samer and, and Renard, really stepped up. Renard, who was a big injury doubt right up until kickoff. She started, she gets the winner, so credit to them. They came up big. All right, let's move on. Uh, Sweden, five, Italy, zero, complete another domination. Uh, Sweden, by the way, it, are the, the crossover group for the U.S., so we are watching this closely. And... Not for nothing, but Sweden at times have had the U.S.'s number. And if the U.S. has their druthers, obviously you would rather play, if it ends up being Sweden and Italy that come out of this group, you would rather play Italy in the round of 16 uh, than Sweden. But as far as this game is concerned, I mean, this, this showed a Sweden that was firing on all cylinders. And again, that set-piece theme, it was just it was amazing what they were able to do. And on the other hand, from a goalkeeping perspective for, for Italy, they just put it in the mixer, and they were consistently doing that. They have taller players, and it was a mis mis mismatch from start to finish when it came to set pieces. The interesting thing is, for a lot of the first half, though, Sweden was poor. Italy was the better team, and Sweden was already coming off a disappointing opener against South Africa. So they're my pick to win the tournament. I was wondering, oh, my God, what's going on here with this Sweden team? And then it was this late flurry in the first half, uh, all offset pieces, as you mentioned. Um, so, yeah, it was incredible to watch. Illestet scored twice. She also got the winner against South Africa. So she's up there in the golden boot race just based on set pieces alone. So, uh, yeah, so a, a great result for Sweden, which makes it where they're probably going to win this group. So if you're looking at it from an American perspective, uh, you know, it's you, yeah, you, you want to win your group to get Italy, which, you know, would be a much easier matchup. Exactly. All right, Jamaica-Costa Rica, our, um, our CONCACAF uh, matchup. Uh, all right, look, this is a bunny-less Jamaica, and we talked so much about how important Bunny Shaw is, and they end up getting the result, and you could see how excited they were. Uh, Swaby scores, again, by the way, set pieces, uh, and they get the one nothing win, and this is a big result for them in terms of the group. This is also a big, I think, 
mental result for them to do it without Bunny. And you saw Bunny on the sidelines screaming and yelling. She's excited as she was serving her red card suspension. And as me and Jimmy were talking about uh, yesterday, if there is a game to not have Bunny Shaw, this was probably the game that you could get away with it. And not only did they get away with it, but they get the, uh, they get the three points and now everything to play for. Anything on this game? By the way, it was Panama they beat. What did I, I say? I know Sean Sullivan. Did I say Costa Rica? Well, Sean Sullivan, yeah, he thinks all CONCACAF like, nations are the same. It's kind of like Anchorman. So, Excuse uh, me, there we go. Yeah, he put okay. Costa Rica in the rundown. Right. Um, but uh, uh, no, so spinning this forward, it's now Jamaica-Brazil, the last group game. Jamaica only needs a draw to advance, and they're going to have Bunny Shaw back for that one. Brazil has to win, so it's not a gimme. So I'm talking about Brazil potentially moving on and playing Colombia, but they could very easily crash out of this World Cup in the group stage, which would be a disaster. Uh, okay, let's uh, circle back now to the rest of the schedule from uh, tonight, as we said, as we were coming on air here. Morocco and South Korea. Even though both of these teams are going out of the World Cup, there was still something to be had and some history to, to be had with Morocco. And you saw, you know, once again, we were talking about the, the scenes at the Colombia game. You saw scenes in this moment when, one, Morocco scored, but also when they ultimately uh, beat South Korea. And that, you know, that, was, that was fun to see. And, and again, we talk about there's the competition to win the World Cup, but then there are also the competition within the competition and the moments of pride and the moments of, in this case, history that are going to be celebrated and should be celebrated there. So congratulations to Morocco for the first win uh, and, uh, and, uh, and the goal. And they both have still, still have one game to play, although both of them are out. They stole the show at the Men's World Cup, getting all the way to the semis. Their fans were incredible in Qatar. And after that 6-0 uh, defeat to Germany in the opening, you, th you thought, okay, well, that magic isn't going to translate to the women. Well, it, it did. Uh, they get the W today. They're the first Arab nation to take part in the Women's World Cup. They had a player, Benzina, today who became the first player to wear a hijab for a Women's World Cup match. So all sorts of history going on with this team. This is their first goal, their first win, and they are very much alive in Group uh, H all of a sudden. Everything to play for. Uh, okay, let's see. What else? Uh, all right, so, so Norway, the uh, <laughs> Rob came in and asked for the translation, the Norway translation of soap opera early on. Uh, because he wanted to use it. And he ended up using it, using it on air. I don't know if it's true or not, but uh, he did use it. Because, you know, I, I came on air and we, we were talking about Norway. I kind of ha have had it with Norway, all right? I Save the drama for your mama. Uh, all the crap that's going on on the field and off the field and the bickering and the Ada Hagerberg stuff and the, um, you know, the back and forth with the coaches and stuff like that. You are a very good team. You have plenty of good players. And you should certainly, in this case uh, of this World Cup, have been better than what we saw. Well, against the Philippines, a lot of teams can look, well, not all of them, but most teams can look uh, good, not if you're uh, New Zealand. Uh, Norway comes out and lays six on the Philippines. So I guess happy days are here again, but it's, again, still the Philippines. And there, whatever drama is there is not suddenly lifted either on or off the field drama that there is, is not suddenly lifted because you went out and beat up on the poor, uh, poor Philippines. But from a Norway perspective, they did what they needed to do. And after all is said and done and all the crap and the, and the back and forth, they end up going through. I mentioned this at the top, so let's go here now. Ada Hegerberg, uh, they find out moments before kickoff against Switzerland that she's not going to play because of a groin injury. And then she sat out again today. Her replacement, Sophie Romanhag, bags a hat trick. If Hegeberg is fit enough to start the round of 16 match, what do you do there? Interesting dilemma. Speaking for the of Wally Pitt. Well, first off, go back to this. So Ada Hegeberg is in the huddle, in the lineup, and getting ready to play. She then gets pulled out to the surprise, for anybody who watched the video, 
of all of her teammates, and she goes down the tunnel and then doesn't play, and then doesn't play in this game. But how is it that she was actually there ready to play in that moment and then didn't play? So some, something had to compute. What did they did they get the, the MRI results back in that moment? And they oh, no, now you definitely can't play? It's just, it's just very, 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 very strange. And, you know, I, to, to your point about being Wally Pipped, uh, if this team is more cohesive without Ada Hegerberg, that's something that has to be decided and dealt with. And that's not going to go over well. So I don't, I don't know what you do. But, they, you know, this is why they pay coaches, to deal with these dynamics and deal with these types of uh, – uh, these types of decisions. Uh, should we move on? Sure. All right. Uh, listen, uh, thank you, New Zealand, uh, for hosting the World Cup. Thank you for participating in the uh, group stage. But we have to say goodbye to you. New Zealand zero, Switzerland zero. Now, Switzerland going out in the group stage, Mossy, is not necessarily something that is surprising. There are a lot of people, including I think both of us here and a lot of people that were you know, previewing this World Cup that said, look, New Zealand is coming into this World Cup. Uh, in horrible form. They're not a tr- particularly good team. And so a lot of people, including us, did not pick them to go through. But they come out of the shoot. They have this incredible historic win. Everybody's crying and uh, you know, talking about the promised land. And they kind of set unrealistic, maybe, expectations. Except they went one forward, and then they decided in the game that they actually should win against the Philippines to go two steps back. And that's ultimately the game that is going to be talked about, all right? You know, I know Ali Riley was on, and she was talking about how you know, proud she was of everything that they did, and they informed a new generation and all that. And, and I, I, I don't doubt that they may have done that. But when it comes down to the competition and the possibility of doing even more and continuing to use this platform, where they're going to kick themselves is that game uh, against the Philippines that they just pissed away and, like I said, took two steps back. And then today... Uh, against a very good Switzerland team who just understood exactly what they needed to do and from an organizational perspective were very good. They just could not break them down no matter what they tried, and so ultimately they go out. No, you're absolutely right. They beat Norway and they drew Switzerland. Four points from those two games is excellent. They did the hard part, and then they, even if they had drawn the Philippines, they'd be through. So it is an amazing choke. Uh, they become the first host nation ever eliminated in the group stage of a Women's World Cup, although Australia could follow suit tomorrow. Um, so, yeah, very disappointing for them. And for Switzerland, this is only their second Women's World Cup appearance. They've reached the knockout stage both times. They advance here because they didn't concede a goal in any of the three games. Are you with me that it's just a little bit, not even just a little bit, it's just freaking weird, okay, to have teams that are out of the World Cup having played their third and final group stage game at a point when there were teams that still hadn't played their second game in group stage. Yeah, this was a bizarre day for us. We had uh, <laughs> the final two games in Group A, which kicked off simultaneously, but bracketed by the second set of games in Group H. So, yeah, odd scheduling for sure. Very odd. Well, listen, uh, what, what, what do you have going tomorrow? Uh, some, some great games. I can't wait. We have uh, uh, Japan, Spain battling for first place in Group C. Both teams have already advanced. And then we have the dramatic conclusion of Group B, in which you have Nigeria, Canada, and Australia fighting for two spots. Ooh, Karina LeBlanc. You know, she, she lobbied me for my uh, power rankings. And this morning, because, you know, they're fluid, Mossy, and they changed. Again, they are just a snapshot. If you're watching uh, me giving my power rankings, they are just a snapshot, a, a moment in time, if you will. And I am a human being, despite uh, what you may read. I can be wooed 
I can be lobbied, I can be coerced, I can be swayed by other human beings. And Karina LeBlanc, a proud Canadian, got me early this morning in the green room. And we were talking about my top 10 list, and I had Nigeria in at number 10. And so she came and made this incredibly impassioned plea about why uh, Canada should be at number 10. And I'm a softie when it really comes down to it. And so I put Canada there. But we're, you know, this is where the rubber meets the road here from a Canada-Australia perspective. And what could have been just a nice kumbaya moment now has major, major ramifications. So we'll see ultimately uh, what happens there. But the World Cup rolls on. Simultaneous play. I love the simultaneous play. we got a couple of uh, windows tomorrow. We'll be back doing it. Uh, anything before we go, my friend? Uh, do we have confirmation that Erin Schechter made it home safe from the game? I know I give her a hard time, but I do care about her. Is she? Uh... All right. She, she, I think she's okay. Yeah, I mean, a lot of crazy Colombians there. Nah, she'll be fine. Yeah, she's having, she's having a party. She's having, a, you know, drinks with the Colombians, which is where we should be, my friend. All right, we got to get out of here. Listen, keep uh, reviewing and rating and subscribing and doing all the different things. Thank you again to uh, State Farm for presenting the State of the Union. We will talk to you again tomorrow and again the next day and again the next day. And as long as this tournament is going on, we're going to give you your daily dose of the State of the Union. And until then, and as always, my friends, size the day.